Everyone doing good? If I've not met you, my name is Scott. I'm the lead pastor at New Life Cooling Cutter Church down right down the other end of our state. And uh, I'm just so blessed to be here. And thank you so much for having me come share God's word with you. It's such a blessing to be here with genuine people who genuinely love Jesus. And I was down the front and I wasn't going to worship because I've preached twice this morning already to save my voice, but I just couldn't help it. I just couldn't help singing praises unto our Lord with my brothers and sisters. So thank you guys so much for having me. You know, I put on my linen shirt to respect Brisbane and uh, Alex, and it's the only one I have. So I put it on and didn't have any chinos or any nice boots. So I had to keep some sort of individuality to myself with the, you know, the white shoes. But uh, we're in week five of a sermon series titled Crucial Conversations. And what we wanted to do is we wanted to explore crucial conversations going on in our culture, but also in the church in this day and age. And as a church, we wanted to speak into some of these conversations to bring the light of the gospel, the word of God, just to help us navigate these issues in a biblical way that brings truth and life. And you know, for me, this series has been such a blessing. And if you've missed any of the previous weeks, you can go to the YouTube channel. You guys have it on YouTube, podcast. Go to the podcast and you'll be able to catch up on all the different messages that are preached. Um, Mike preached on deconstruction of faith. We had Tim Buxton talk about refugees and how much God loves the refugee. And then obviously last week, Pastor Alex Stark spoke on women in ministry. But today, I'll be preaching on miracles and medicine. Now, looking at that picture, is that guy picking his nose? It looks like he's just jamming his finger up his nose. Hey, it looks like a COVID test. Has anyone had a COVID test? Dude, like when I got a COVID test, I thought he was trying to tickle my brain. But, but if that is medicine in the first century, I don't know if I'd be keen on it. But there's three common thoughts about medicine and miracles in the church today. The first one is that God wants everyone healed. And if you just have enough faith, you will be healed. And if you go to the medical profession, it's actually a sign of lack of faith. The other thought process is that God only heals through the medical profession because the gifts of healing, the miraculous, they were for the ministry of Jesus and the apostles, and it's not available for believers today. And the third view is God still heals miraculously through Christian prayer, but God also heals through the medical profession, and both of these are a gift from God. And I just want to be clear, as New Life Church, all of our churches believe and hold to the third view. And the reason is because we want to hold to the truth of the scriptures. And that's the reason why we did this series, because we wanted to look into the scriptures to find what is the truth on these issues. And Jesus actually, in John 17, he prays this beautiful prayer for his disciples. He's about to go and be crucified, and he prays for the disciples to the Father. And he says this, I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they're not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you send me into the world, I have also sent them into the world, and for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they may also be sanctified by the truth. Jesus prays to the Father not to take them out of the world, but they would be sent into the world with the truth of God's word. And church, that's what he does with us. He doesn't call us out of the world, but he sends us into the world with the truth of the gospel. And so that's what we want to do. We want to dig into the scriptures. So before we do that, I would love to pray. Would you please join me in prayer?
Oh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your word, for your word is truth, God. It is the firm foundation that we can stand on in the midst of all these different ideas. Lord, I pray that you would help me preach your word with truth and grace and love. Lord, that in the end they wouldn't look to me, but they'd only look to you, the one who brings life and life in all its fullness. In Jesus' name, amen. So I became a Christian just over 10 years ago, and I got saved at New Life Rabina. And it wasn't long after getting saved that I hurt my back. And, and it was about three months of going to the physio, of trying to get um, my back sorted out. And then first, one of the first serves back, I get back into the water, and bang, I hurt my ankle. And it was meant to be only a few weeks to heal, but it took like 12 to 14 weeks. It was probably fractured or something. I just didn't go get it checked out. So then first surf back again, I strap up my ankle, I'm like, I'm getting back out there. And I get out there, first wave, I herniated a disc in my back. So my disc came out between my spinal cord and my spine, and I was just in excruciating pain. So one thing after another, and I'm thinking at the start, I'm a new Christian, right? I'm like, is God making me pay back 33 years of, of, of sin? But it was really interesting, over that time, God taught me truth theology because he's paid for all that on the cross, right? That's all done away with. But I remember I was serving at the church there and I was on the host team and I was standing at the front doors and this lady came walking up the courtyard and she was like this, she could barely walk. And I said to her, what happened? And she goes, I was moving yesterday and I've thrown my back out. And I'm standing there in excruciating pain so I know what it's like to have a bad back. And I said, can I pray for you? She goes, sure. So we sit down in the foyer. I just put my hand on her back and I said, God, I know you love this woman. And Lord, in Jesus' name, we pray for healing. Whatever is causing this pain in the back, be healed in Jesus' name. And she just jumped up, bolt upright, and her face went like this, and she started running around praising Jesus in the foyer. I don't know who was more surprised, her or me, because I was just like, that actually works? Like, God actually heals? Like, I was a new Christian, right? So I'm reading the Gospels, and I know that God heals, but you just don't expect that God will heal through you. And it wasn't like that I heard God say, hey, Scott, pray for that lady, you know? It wasn't like when I was praying for her, I felt power coming out of my hand or anything. It was just like any other normal prayer. I felt nothing. But I love that because that's just God doing what God does. And here's the crazy thing. This lady gets healed instantly, and for over 12 months, I'm going to the medical profession to be healed, to get physio. And I'll tell you this story because I think it encapsulates our belief as a church that there are two ways that God accomplishes healing in this world. The first category is supernatural acts of healing that are alive and well today and they're best understood through the Word of God. The second category is natural law healing, which is beautifully exemplified through modern medicine and people dedicated to caring for others. We actually believe both of these are gifts from God and the beautiful thing is today, what I want to do is I want to explore the scriptures to let you know where we get this understanding from. So first, God heals miraculously. I mean, you only have to open your Bible to the New Testament and read a few pages to see the miraculous going on. Just look at the book of Acts. You see miraculous healings of every kind of disease and pain and suffering. I mean, Jesus heals lepers. Jesus heals deaf people. He gives sight to the blind. He, he heals lame people who can't walk. He even raises the dead, and his disciples do the same thing. And this actually continues after the death, 
burial, and resurrection and ascension of Jesus through the church. It happens through the apostles, but it also happens through everyday believers. And this is still the case today. You see, we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit here at New Life. We believe that God gifts each and every one of us with a spiritual gift. That is a gift that's not natural, but it's supernatural. And it's a gift. There is a gift of supernatural healing, and that's one of them. And we get that from 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul's talking to the Corinth church, and he's actually addressing the Gentiles. He says, hey, Gentiles, let me teach you about the spiritual gifts. And that's awesome, because if he calls them a Gentile, he's speaking to you and I, because in that time, you're either a Jew or you're a Gentile. And the gospel goes out into all the world, and he's telling the Gentiles about these spiritual gifts. He says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profitable. For one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another working of miracles, another prophecy, another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each individual as he wills. He says, hey, church, let me teach you about the spiritual gifts. They're alive and they're well today. And God gives them to who he wills, but he gives them for the edification of the church, for the encouragement of believers, that we would minister to one another, we would become the body of Christ and love each other well. And he says one of them is supernatural healing. And what I wanted to do is I want to focus a bit on Paul's life and his teaching in this message because there is a theological view in parts of evangelicalism called cessationism. Now, cessationism is the view that the miracle gifts like tongues and healings have ceased and that the end of the apostolic age brought about a cessation of miracles. Most cessationists believe that the miraculous power was only for the apostles and just for the beginning of the spread of the gospel. And they believe that the Holy Spirit no longer works through individuals like Christians to perform miraculous signs. We don't hold this view at New Life. And that's one of the reasons why I want to focus on Paul's life, because Paul is like you and me. Like Paul wasn't one of the disciples that walked for three and a half years with Jesus. Paul came to faith in Christ after Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and ascension into heaven. And he has this amazing encounter with Jesus, but then he comes to faith in Christ. And he is baptized, and he's full of the Holy Spirit, and he goes out preaching the gospel, planting churches and with all these signs and wonders, and he's teaching the church that there are spiritual gifts. And so that should encourage us, because we are like him. We come to know Jesus after the events. And it wasn't only the apostles that these signs and wonders were performed through. There was a young man named, Stim, uh, named Stephen, and so the apostles couldn't do all the work that was in ministry, so they started appointing leaders over different areas. And one of them was Stephen. And Stephen goes out and says he was full of power and faith in the Holy Spirit. And he went out and did signs and wonders and miracles of healing. And people were coming to know Jesus because of the ministry that he was doing. And in the end, the religious rulers actually drag him in to question him over it. And they end up stoning him to death. He was the first Christian martyr because God was working through him in power. So the power of the Holy Spirit is at work through normal people. His power wasn't just for the disciples that walked with Jesus, but for everyday Christians. In Corinthians, Paul taught the church, remember, that would outlast the apostles, to seek the gifts of the Spirit and actually minister them to each other. 
In 1 Corinthians 14, he says, pursue love and desire the spiritual gifts. You know, there's no actual scriptural reference in the Bible that says the gifts of the Spirit were either temporary or have ceased. And the past 2,000 years of the Christian church is a witness to this. It's been full of verified stories of the miraculous healing from laying on of hands and of prayer. So then the question is, what does Jesus say about this? What does Jesus say on the subject? Well, in Mark 16, Jesus says, These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, to understand the context of where Jesus is saying this, this is after his death, burial, and resurrection. He's just given the disciples the great commission to go out in the world and make disciples. And he says, whoever believes will be saved. That's a promise right from the words, from the mouth of Jesus, our Lord. He says, but those that don't believe will be condemned by their sin. And he says, these signs will follow those who believe. Who's he talking about? Well, he's talking about you and me because he's sending his disciples out with a message. And he says, those that believe your message, these are the signs that will follow them. And one of them is they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. But I love how he says these signs. Because the question is, what is a sign? A sign points to a destination, right? So if I go from, say, here, and I want to go surfing up on the Sunshine Coast, I've got to drive past a whole bunch of signs that direct me to the Sunshine Coast, right? And the thing is, I don't sit at one sign and go, wow, this is amazing, and marvel at the sign. And I think that's what we do in Christianity sometimes. We look at these signs and wonder if they're the be-all and end-all, but what their point is is to point to a destination. It's to point to a person. It's meant to point to the kingdom of God. It's meant to point to Jesus. You see, a miraculous healing is a glimpse into the kingdom of God. Jesus says these are signs that point to the reality that he is Savior, that he is the Son of God, that the message of the gospel is true, and it's a sign of the kingdom to come. It's not a sign of the level of your faith. Jesus says these signs will follow those who believe. It's not so you can say, hey, I have more faith than someone else and be all proud and think you're a super Christian. These are actually signs of the reality of the kingdom of God and the reality of the king of that kingdom, who is Jesus. So the statement that we sometimes make to people where we say, you just need more faith and you'll be healed, I believe is unbiblical. And I want to explain through scripture why I think that. But here's the thing, it's not about you. It's actually a sign that points to Jesus. And not only is that comment pastorally insensitive, but it's actually spiritually abusive. Like we have brothers and sisters who are genuinely hurting right now, who are genuinely going through struggle, who are genuinely going through things that we can't imagine what that would be like. And instead of loving them and supporting them and coming alongside them, we go, you just need more faith. We're just adding pain on top of pain. Now that person goes away and goes, I'm struggling with this and I'm struggling to understand it with God. Now I think I don't have enough faith. Now people tell me I don't even have faith in Jesus. That's not what we're meant to do, church. We're meant to love each other. And when you look at Paul, there are multiple stories in the book of Acts where Paul raises the dead, he heals the paralytic, and even hankies that are on him, they take and people get healed from these hankies. Like the amount of miracles he had through his ministry and the revelations from God through uh, visions and dreams, I don't think any of us here could say that we have more faith than Paul. 
But even though Paul had such a deep faith, Paul suffered physically and it was not God's desire to heal him. It's not always God's desire to heal physically in this life. 2 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about this. He says, Though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I speak the truth, but I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. Paul's, you know what? I could come out and I could just boast right now about all the miracles that God's done through me. But he understood that it was a sign pointing to Jesus that wasn't about him. And he didn't want to think that God loves him more than anyone else or the people he was teaching, because that's not true. He doesn't want people to think he's great. He says, Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Paul's like, just so you know that I'm like everyone else, I suffered physically too. And what that did is it kept him grounded from thinking that he was above anyone else, that he was something special. In verse 8 he says, Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I most gladly would rather boast in my infirmities or pain or sickness of body or soul that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, Paul in this moment, he's like, he has this physical infirmity, this, this physical ailment, and he says, God, heal me. God goes, no. And so he comes to him again. He says, God, heal me. God goes, no. And then he comes to me, he says, God, take this away from me. And God goes, no, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And all of a sudden, it's like Paul has this revelation of what this means. And all of a sudden, now he's taking pleasure in his infirmities because it keeps him grounded from being conceited or taking on pride and thinking he's better than anyone else. And then he says, I've become a fool in boasting. You've compelled me. For I would have been commended by you, for in nothing was I behind the most imminent apostles, or some say, some translations say super apostles. Though I am nothing, truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. He's like, even though I had this physical issue, God was still working through me in the power of the Spirit. People were still being healed. The signs of the apostles were, were happening in the Corinthian church. But then he understood that his suffering was a lesson to him and to the church. So scripturally, it's not always God's plan to heal every time. No matter what amount of faith you have, no matter how much faith Paul had, it wouldn't have changed that. So to say that God wants to heal everyone, you just need more faith to be healed, it's unbiblical. And God was glorified through Paul's transformation of understanding that God's strength is made perfect in his weakness. And God was glorified through Paul's suffering then, but also now, because we have this writing in the Bible for us 2,000 years later to learn that lesson. God had a plan in not healing Paul. And Paul's suffering became an encourage to us, encouragement to us and for all the time recorded in the scriptures. And it's just not in Corinthians that he speaks about this. In Galatians 4.12, he says, Brethren, I urge you, become like me, for I became like you. You have not injured me at all. You know that because of my physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at first. And the trial which was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject, but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. 
So we don't know what happened here, but, G- but Paul comes and preaches the gospel at first because there he had an ailment. He was sick and he couldn't travel any further, so he preaches the gospel to him. We don't know how long he stayed there for. And they didn't say to him, oh, you just need more faith to be healed. The people who were hearing this message and seeing these signs and wonders still believed in the gospel. They still believed in the goodness and the grace and the love of God that Paul preached. They still believed in the miraculous power of God, even though he was suffering physically. How powerful is that? That it doesn't matter what we're suffering, the power of the gospel is going forth and God will work through it. So when we say to someone, you just need more faith to be healed, we're putting ourselves in the place of God. We're saying we know all things and we know God's plan. You are not all-knowing. You are not sovereign. You are not seated on the throne of heaven. What if God wants to show his power through someone's sickness or weakness just like Paul? And the scriptures show that you can have true faith and not be healed because it's not God's plan. True strong faith is trusting God when you're not healed. Like it takes way more faith to trust God when you're suffering than when everything's going perfect, right? Like true, strong, steadfast faith is trusting in the character and the nature and the goodness of God when we're suffering physically. True faith stands in the face of sickness and pain and suffering and persecution and even death. You know, Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, when I first went into ministry, gosh, it'd be about seven years ago, I was a full-time chaplain, and I went into aged care. It had palliative care, it had dementia care. And so when you go into aged care, into palliative care, no one leaves. It's not like a hospital. Like people go to a hospital and they get better and they get healed a lot of the time. You go to aged care, that's where people go for the end of their life. And there is a lot of pain. There is a lot of suffering. There is a lot of grief. But it's so interesting, when I would walk into some Christian's room, I think I'm going in there to minister to them as a chaplain, but more often than not, they would minister to me. And there was one lady who was just in excruciating pain. She couldn't barely walk. She was on oxygen. She was constantly in pain. And every time I walked in the room, her face would just light up. And she couldn't stop telling me about the mercy and the grace and the love of God over her life. Like the witness coming out of her mouth was so strong that I would walk out and go, she just ministered to me. I love the fact that this, this is the kind of faith that transforms hearts and minds and encourages me in my faith journey. I get so fired up to know that there are Christians so full of faith that no matter what they're suffering, they're not even afraid of death, but they're so full of excitement of the grace and the love of Jesus to maybe finally see him face to face. Here's the thing, we don't know God's plan, but we pray in faith, believing in the miraculous healing power of the Holy Spirit to point to the reality of Jesus and the gospel message. That's why we lay hands on each other and pray for the sick to seek God's will. And here's the thing, John speaks about this in one of his letters. He takes the pressure off us because we think we've got to be super Christians to pray. John's like, no. He says, now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have petitions with him that we've asked of him. John's like, hey, let, let's step out in faith. It's not about you, it's about the one we serve. 
You don't have the power. We serve the miracle maker, right? The one that has all power and authority. So we just step out in faith and we ask God for healing. So we boldly pray for healing. If it's God's will, he will heal. And sometimes God heals instantly, but sometimes he doesn't. But sometimes he heals through the medical profession. We are created to have community and we're created to love one another and help each other. We're creative beings made in the image of God. And because we're made in the image of God, Jesus came to heal, right? Jesus came to restore humanity. And God, therefore, invites us into this, invites us into healing and provision. Sometimes God does miracles, but most of the time, he invites us into the process of healing through medicine. You know, it's like if you are swimming at the ocean at the beach. I always use beach metaphors. I'm from Cooley. You've got to forgive me. So say you're swimming out at the ocean down on the beach at Coolangatta, and you get caught in a rip, and you're getting sucked out, and there's no way you're getting back in, you're getting tired, you're going to drown, all right? And you're about to drown, and the lifeguard paddles out on his board, and he's like, I'll help you. Hop on the board, and you're like, no, no, I should have enough faith. I should be able to walk on water. Give me a minute, and I'll just walk out of here. Like, we don't say that, right? We don't reject a lifeguard when he comes to help us. So why do we reject the medical profession where they could help us? You know, what happens when our car breaks down? We take it to a mechanic, right? Is that lack of faith? Because God can fix a car just as much as he can fix a human body, right? So God uses modern medicine to help us and heal us. And even Paul, he prescribes and encourages Timothy to take medicine in 1 Timothy 5.23. He says, No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. Yeah, let's get on the wine. Who's with me? Who wants to go to a doctor and you get your prescription? It's like, take one glass of wine before bed every night for the next 30 days. Like, I'm going back to get a repeat of this, right? But here's the thing. Timothy was Paul's disciple. Like, he desperately loved Timothy. And I'm sure that Timothy, that Paul would have prayed for Timothy. They either laid hands on him or if he was suffering this while he was away, that Paul would have interceded for him in prayer. I'm sure the church around Timothy, he was a pastor, would have prayed for him. But God didn't heal him. And even Jesus, he speaks into this issue, issue in the story he tells of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. So to set up the story, there's this expert in the law. And he says to Jesus, you know, how do I fulfill the law? And Jesus is like, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he's an expert in the law, and he doesn't want to love everyone, so he wants to qualify who his, who his neighbor is, right? He's like, well, who's my neighbor then? <laughs> I don't want to love everyone. And Jesus goes on this story. He says, well, there's this guy walking down the road, and he gets jumped upon by robbers, and they beat the life out of him, and they discard him on the side of the road, and they rob everything off him, and he's laying there dying, literally at the point of death. And two religious rulers, Jewish religious rulers, come walking down the road and they're like, whoa, want nothing to do with that. And they cross over the other side of the road and they walk around him because they don't want to be ritually unclean. They want to go into the temple, right? They want nothing to do with it. And then Jesus comes in and he says, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. And he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine and when he put the man on his own donkey, he brought him to an inn and took care of him. So this other guy comes walking down the street and he sees this guy literally dying by the side of the road. 
And he comes over and, and, and he cares for him. He, he cleans his wounds. He bandages him. He puts him on his own donkey. He takes him to an inn and pays for the inn that he would be able to be restored and cared for. And then Jesus asks the, the religious ruler or the, the guy who, the expert in the law, he says, which of these three do you think was neighbor to the man who fell on the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law replied, well, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Here is a direct command of Jesus Christ to his disciples and all those that were hearing this story to go and do likewise, to go and medically care for each other. Jesus equals doing this to fulfilling the law, to loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. So when we actually care for someone medically, we're fulfilling the command of Jesus Christ for his disciples. We're all commanded to medically care for people. And this has been the story of the church for the last 2,000 years. You know, over the centuries, there's been many plagues, many pandemics, where people have fleed the cities. Like, they just get out of there. Like, stuff's going down, so they just run away. But Christians over the centuries took this command of Jesus seriously. And they would actually go into the pandemic. Many of them dying, contracting the disease and dying just to show the love and the mercy and the grace of God. Do you know how many hospitals across the world were set up by Christian organizations or churches? Because they believed in this command of Jesus. And Jesus makes this another amazing statement in Matthew 25. Now he's talking about the end times where people will be divided. There'll be those that know Jesus put over here and there'll be those that don't know Jesus over here. And he comes and he addresses the saints. And he says, hey, when I was hungry, you fed me. And when I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. And in Matthew 25, 36, he says, when I was sick, you cared for me. And the saints are like, when did we see you hungry and feed you? When did we see you thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick and, and, and come and care for you? And Jesus says, when you did it for the least of these, you did it to me. This is amazing. Jesus says, when, when we are loving others, we're actually loving him. When we're medically caring for people, that equals loving him. So when we care for the sick, we're fulfilling the whole law and prophets to love God and love others as yourself. So what God does is he invites us into this joy. God invites us into living out the gospel through caring for one another when we're sick. We should celebrate the medical profession. We should celebrate doctors and nurses and all associated people that work in that area because Jesus does. Do you want to love God and love others as yourself? Well, and this is one way you can do that. How amazing is God that he shows us practically how to walk out the gospel in our everyday lives? And whether we're the one caring medically for someone or we're receiving care, that actually binds us together in love. Not only that, but we need to learn to be recipients of love if we're medically cared for. Like, who knows when you're sick? It's a quite a vulnerable state, right? Like, when you're sick and you need help with someone else, you can't help yourself. It's a very vulnerable position to be in. And this is so important to learn because we need to be able to receive love, especially undeserved love. And we see this awesome, undeserved love displayed on the cross of Christ. Does the band want to come up whenever they're free? You see, the greatest miracle of healing is salvation. It's the healing of the whole person, right? Like Jesus came 
to heal us spiritually because we are all sick. The problem has sin has caused death in us. It's called eternal separation from God, but God isn't like the Pharisees walking down the street and going, well, you guys stuffed up, I'll just walk around that. Jesus says, no, I'm going to come. I'm going to come into this mess. I'm going to put on flesh. I'm going to be fully God, fully human, put on flesh and know what it feels like to be hated, to be scorned, to be rejected, to be beaten, to be punched in the face, to be lashed, to be nailed to a tree and hated and spat on. And instead of him saying, God, destroy these evil sinners, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Jesus comes to redeem humanity through the cross by spilling his own blood. And whoever repents and puts their faith and trust in Jesus receives this healing, receives eternal life. It's a free gift. What's the benefit if you're 100% healthy, but you're 100% spiritually dead? Jesus offers life and life eternal, regardless of what our natural body experiences here on earth. You know, Christians, we are promised 100% healing in the resurrection. God is going to make a new heaven and a new earth where there'll be no more pain, no more suffering, no more sickness, no more tears. This life is not all that there is. We are eternal beings. And we have received eternal life. We've received eternal healing, eternal physical, mental, and spiritual healing in Christ Jesus. This is the promise of Scripture. This is the promise of our Savior. This is a promise of our God, and it's evident in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus raised from the dead, free from sickness and disease and pain and sin and death, we too who put our faith in Jesus are promised the same redemption of body and spirit. Amen? If pain and suffering were indicators of whether God loved you, then God the Father didn't love Jesus because he suffered physically on earth. But that's not true. God had a plan for Jesus' suffering for the redemption of humanity. God worked all of that for our good. The resurrected Jesus promises all who believe resurrection life. Do you trust God will work all things for good for you? You know, your physical suffering is not a representation of how much God loves you. And all healing, whether miraculous or through medical intervention, is the grace of God at work. It's the grace of God upon us. You know, the devil, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus comes to bring life and life to the full. So in all our suffering, we should run to the Father and we should trust his plan for us. You know, when my boys were young, they're down the front here, I loved them dearly. When they were little, little boys, every time they tripped over or banged their knee or whacked their head, they would just come running to me and they would just fall into my arms. And there'd be times where I could help them and other times where I'd have to bandage their wounds and other times I'd have to take them to the doctor, but I was always there with them because I love them and I'm not a perfect dad. But this is what we should do. We should run to the Father in everything. Do you trust His love for you? You know, I'm sure I'm going to get into heaven one day. I'm going to sit down with Jesus and we're going to have conversations. I'll be like, Jesus, in that time while I was praying for this person, they were hurting. And I was sure that the best option would be that you would heal them. And Jesus would just say to me, Scott, I had a grand plan. 
that because their steadfast faith in their suffering, two of their family members put their faith and trust in me. And I'll go, oh, Jesus, it's all worth it. Do you trust God will do what's best? To finish, I love how Dr. Matthew Steemza puts it. He says, I believe there are two ways that God accomplishes healing in this world. The first category is natural law healing, which is beautifully exemplified through modern medicine. The second category is supernatural acts of healing. They're alive and well today and best understood through the word of God, not the scientific method. There is no need to compare and contrast which approach is best. In fact, we need to do the opposite. We need to better execute both natural law and spiritual forms of healing so the kingdom of God comes faster. So this week, how do we apply this? What can we do? Will we run to the Father in all things? We boldly step out in faith and we pray for people's healing. Our friends, our family, even people we don't know, we just ask, hey, can I pray? There's no pressure on you. We just ask if we can love them by praying for them. But also you can be the hands and feet of Jesus, bring healing through either medicine or just supporting someone. We all know someone who's hurting. Maybe they just could get some meals or you could take them to their doctor's appointment. So practically the question is, who can you love this week? Who in your life needs help and how can you love them? And in doing so, fulfilling all God asks of us to love God and love others as ourselves. You know, in a moment, we're going to sing Waymaker. And, and I just love this song because it says, Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. I believe this song to be true because Jesus, God, is the waymaker. And sometimes that way is through medical intervention. But he's also a miracle healer that God still heals today. But the most perfect one is at the end. He says he's a promise keeper. That all who put their faith and trust in Jesus one day will be fully restored in the resurrection. God is the promise keeper. And there is these lines where it says, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. This should be the cry of the Christian heart that we trust in the goodness and the perfect, gracious, sovereign God, that He's always at work, even when we don't understand it. He's at work because He loves you. And what we're going to do now is we're going to step out in faith because we believe in the healing power of Jesus Christ is still alive and well today. So I'm going to ask if any of you are suffering in any way, whether great or whether small, Whatever it is, whatever you're suffering from, I'm going to ask you to stand. And we're going to pray for you. We're going to step out in faith. So if that's you, if you're able to stand, stand right now. I'd love to see you. Church, look around. These are your brothers and sisters hurting. We should stand in faith with them. We should pray for healing. And if they don't get healed, we should be there by their side to help them through it. So I'm going to ask you to be bold. I'm going to ask if there's someone near you, I want you to go over to them, lay your hands on them and pray for their healing. If they want to share with you what their healing is, what their ailment is, then they can. If they don't want to, that's okay. Just pray God's healing power over them. So Father God, we come before you knowing you are the miracle maker. Come Holy Spirit. 
work in and through your people. Lord, you said the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in each and every one of us. Holy Spirit, have your way with us right now. Bring your healing power. God, work through us in love and mercy and grace that they will be signs to you, signs to the kingdom to come, signs that you are the king and we worship you. Come Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. If you can continue to pray, continue to pray. But how about the rest of us stand?